whether the market systems development approach or MSD approach works in practice is a hot topic in development. With me is Maya Ruek, who is co-leading the working area sustainable and inclusive economies at Helvetas. She provides thematic support on market systems development for projects working on agricultural value chains and labor markets. Her advisory expertise also covers monitoring and evaluation. Previously, Maya worked in rural development projects in Tanzania and Madagascar. She has also done research in Kyrgyzstan and Bolivia on topics related to rural economy. She has worked in development cooperation since 2008. Maya, thank you for being part of this episode. Thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure to be here in this uh, great uh, initiative. With me is also Marcus Janel, who is a partner at the German consultancy Mesopartner, which is a knowledge firm that specializes in economic development, territorial development, competitiveness, and innovation. His work and interests are all about how systems work and how we can influence their evolution. His approach to, is to stimulate the co-creation of learning strategies and change activities. Previously, Marcus worked for different development organizations focusing on Southeast Asia and East Africa, including the Western Balkans and Eastern Europe. Marcus, thank you for joining. Thank you for having me, Sabine. For those of you who aren't yet familiar with the market systems development approach or the MSD approach, it's a development approach that reduces poverty by enhancing the ways the most vulnerable interact with markets. At the regional program economy, for example, we apply the MSD approach in order to make the market systems function better to increase the quality of life for people in need through systemic action, our facilitated role, outreach and sustainable change. For this episode, We've asked people on LinkedIn to pose their questions they'd like to ask our guests, whether the MSD approach works in practice and what it takes to shift to a systemic approach. Thank you to all of you who have sent their questions and for contributing to Inclusive Plug. Your participation helps keep the podcast alive. Maya, we have a question from Christina Stoyanovska, who is a professional associate at the Education for Employment in North Macedonia project uh, of the Swiss Agency for Development and Cooperation. Uh, her question is, how to balance between achieving indicators and achieving systemic change? Yeah, okay, thanks a lot for the question. Um, so, for me, what would be really important in that, um, in that reflection is that actually we try to not have too much um, contradiction between the indicators we want to achieve and the systemic change that we want to achieve. So um, maybe if I think from the start of a project, when we come up with a log frame, um, it's always very important how we set our indicators, right? Everybody knows that. And maybe there are certain pressures to have very much a focus on the impact and outcome level in indicators, you know, the final beneficiaries. That's, that's necessary and that's good. However, I think when one takes an MSD approach, 
um, really it is key to also have enough weight on indicators that measure systemic change. So to give an example, if a project works on, among other things, on um, financial inclusion. So obviously we need indicators like how many people, how many women, how many men have access to quality financial services, right? But also make sure that we have enough indicators that also capture how many financial institutions provide quality services, how did the services improve, which actors crowded in into this, this space of financial inclusion, so that we can also capture what we actually want to achieve on the systemic change level. So I think that would be my most important advice on this question. And um, in that sense, you know, I think once we capture the systemic change, then we are also, we have to be able to tell the story. So how does that lead to the actual you know, outcome and impact that we want to achieve? So also this storytelling element is important. And maybe just the last thought on that question, um, not to forget about measuring also the indirect effect. I mean, the, why we, we use systemic approach is, has a lot to do with actually achieving systemic change that has an effect not only on you know, direct beneficiaries, but also indirect beneficiaries. But then we also have to measure them and tell the story, right? And I'm thinking about my experience uh, with supporting a project in Guatemala, that's a CEDA-funded project in Guatemala that Helvetas implements. And um, there I was just reflecting a few months ago with the team, um, they have measured a lot of the impact outcomes and impacts on the level of beneficiaries at the production side, you know, women producing horticulture, um, um, potatoes, um, other value chains as well. But um, they have not so far so much captured the effects as well in other um, points of the value chain, you know, like uh, traders, um, also um, 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 processors, and the employment effects on that stage. So also, I think this measurement effort um, is key. To, to find this right balance. We, we have two questions from Maya Lostova, who is finance manager at the Education for Employment in North Macedonia project of the SDC. Her first question is, is the MSD approach applicable in every country? Okay, so question from Maya to Maya. <laughs> um, yes, uh, I think what I would like to emphasize here on this question is, um, I would like to distinguish between uh, the questions that an MSD approach raises and the answers or solutions that an MSD project finds. Um, so in terms of applicability of this approach to a country, I think the questions that the approach raises, I would find them really quite applicable to any country. Um, and I hope I don't side like you know, if you are a hammer, everything is a nail. But um, um, I think uh, if we think about the questions that the approach raises, like, for example, if you see problems in the uh, market systems, uh, you try to find the causes for these problems, the underlying causes. I think that's a very important element of any kind of good development work. Um, no matter in which country we work, yeah? So this really finding, going to the causes, working on the causes. Um, another example of the guiding questions of the approach is to think about the, the sustainability. So uh, the famous questions of who will do, who will pay in the future? And I think this question, again, no matter in which country you work, if you try to improve certain functions in a market system, 
um, I think it always makes sense to think, okay, what happens after this project intervention? Who will do this function? Who will pay for this function? So this kind of question, I also find it very applicable. However, now when we go to the solutions um, or the answers, uh, there, I think necessarily there needs to be a lot of difference between one country and another. And in the, the country context is so important. And so there is no kind of one size fits all of uh, if you are an MSD project, you always work with, let's say, the lead firm that provides a new service and so on and so forth. No, that's really country dependent. And if I take an example from from Kyrgyzstan, an SDC project, uh, BioLi, that, that, that Helvetas implements in the south of Kyrgyzstan. So the question, so let's say there's a weak uh, um, entrepreneurship activity, especially amongst women. Um, now, the question of why this is the case, I think that applies, right? If it's Kyrgyzstan or Bolivia or Mozambique. Um, so then the answer of why this is the case, that can change from one country to the other. In Kyrgyzstan, there's a lot to do with culture, especially also gender perspective of, in especially married women, you know, in how far they, it's culturally accepted, socially accepted to start economic activity. Um, and then uh, the solution can be different, yeah? So in, in Kyrgyzstan, it's maybe about working more on this culture. Maybe in Mozambique, it's working on um, training on entrepreneurship skills, right? But then the question about sustainability of who will provide such training in the future, who will pay for such training in the future, again, this is applicable, be it to Mozambique or Kyrgyzstan. So that's a bit my thoughts on this question, hopefully. Uh, that answer is at least part of it. Uh, Maya's second question is, what is the biggest risk in the application of the MSD approach? Ah, yes, um, there's there's many risks, um, of course. Um, and, and it's difficult to really pick and choose, you know, what is the biggest risk. Um, I think something that, that many of us are struggling with is to um, integrate environmental dimensions um, to the necessary extent um, in our MSD projects. And of course, there's many differences and it's difficult to generalize, but you know, I think the MSD approach, it's demanding uh, in terms of skills and in terms of um, yeah, the reflection process and the learning and everything. And so to keep really also transversal uh, dimensions like environmental or also in inclusive uh, inclusiveness is really an extra effort and it's really it's so key to do it but it's also very difficult so um, to give you an example in one project I worked in in Tanzania um, that's now a pile back it was an STC project um, and um, I think um, when the select the sector selection was done uh, for for economic sector were selected. I think in that sector selection, the environmental criteria were actually not weighed enough. Either they were not there or they didn't have enough weight. I don't remember exactly. But the question, for example, of how will climate change affect in terms of you know, our prognostics that we have, um, the, 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 these sectors, these potential sectors, and how does that influence our choice of sectors? This, I think, was not there in the reflection. And also in terms of the reflection of the environmental dimension in the objectives, I kind of remember that it was not very explicit. And then it's no, 
um, surprise that uh, in the intervention design that um, maybe the environmental dimension is then not emphasized enough. Now, I think what is very important to mitigate this risk is really to have the tools, to have the, the, the guidelines, the operational guidelines. Um, in Helvetas, we have worked on a guideline how to assess and address climate-related risks in MSD. Um, so, for example, sector selection, taking um, also the view of um, climate change uh, is, is with this guideline, I think, now very much um, um, operationalizable. Um, I, I just yesterday actually also saw that ILO has just produced also a guideline on how to take into account environmental dimension in value chain development MSD. So um, I think, you know, the more tools there are, uh, the easier we will get to, to deal with this risk. But yeah, that's just one of the risks. Inclusiveness is another one. Um, I think there was an episode on inclusiveness just recently on this uh, inclusive pack. Um, so, so I don't want to repeat, but that would be also very much a focus of, of where we need to um, remain attentive. We have uh, two questions from also from Dorina Georgieva Mitrovska, who is project coordinator at the Macedonian Civic Education Center. Her questions are, how do we know that the MSD approach would be the best way to go? And what skills does an MSD team need to have? Yeah. So on the first question, um, how do we know if, if the MSD approach is the right way to go? Um, maybe I can just highlight two aspects. Um, I think one precondition to work with this approach is a, is a certain commitment. Um, to work systemically, because it's really it's not the easiest thing to do, <laughs> as we know probably. Often it's easier to provide a direct solution, you know, to have more control and so on. So it is an effort, right? And it needs commitment both on the implementer side, but I think very importantly on the donor side, right? Um, so uh, really this question, if, if the donor has the commitment to work with a systemic approach is key. Uh, that also has to do with timeline then, you know, normally MSD projects, yeah, they take some time to really um, achieve systemic change with the stakeholders, the, the local stakeholders. So the donor commitment, I mean, of course, uh, we can also work on that, um, but I won't go now into that. I think maybe others in this uh, podcast can deepen also on this, on how to motivate uh, donors. Um, the uh, other aspect I wanted to highlight on this is about um, really being clear of who is the target group, the beneficiaries, or as Helvet as we call uh, the group also primary stakeholders. Um, now, if our target group is, is a, a group of very um, extreme poor households, very marginalized uh, um, women and men, um, then we have to think if we can really start off with a very indirect systemic approach. And um, I think, um, you know, sometimes a bit of a graduation model is also uh, the right way to go, um, to, to start off with a bit more direct, but always having a vision of moving to a more indirect systemic uh, approach. Um, yeah, I think that's it for the first question. The second question that you mentioned um, is about the skills. And here again, I mean, I could um, talk for hours about the skills. It's a very fascinating topic. And I think it's so important to be clear about what skills we need in an MSD um, team. 
Um, however, I don't want to do all the catalog of skills. Uh, there is a, a tool uh, um, um, on the Beam Exchange uh, website, the competency framework. It's fantastic. It's very comprehensive if you want to know more about the skill set. Um, I actually want to just focus maybe on one aspect, and this is the organizational culture. Um, it's something that um, I, I supported a capitalization of experience process in Tanzania. Um, to learn from experience, like 10 years experience with MSD. And we found out that really the whole project management skills and especially this organizational culture um, um, is was key, you know, for both success and failure. And um, I would say to really be able to instill an organizational culture that allows and even encourages learning from failure is is very central for this MSD approach and it's very difficult right i mean it's not natural to us to always talk about oh this didn't work and you know i failed there we should have done differently and so on but but it's really important um to experiment to be able to experiment and then also have the courage to say no we need to try something else you know we learned um so um I think uh, this culture is, is is key and um and and there's different you know tactics for that um like um for example to have a bit of maybe an and and positive approach for it so project manager if if she is a role model to really kind of also admit failure i think that's important um from an, from one experienced project manager i once heard that at the beginning of the project he um um, um institutionalized failure parties i mean that's a bit extreme but i think you know it can open up um horizons um and, and mindsets um i think well in team meetings that 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 we lead um in our team uh, we have uh, this slot on oops moments where uh, you know just ad hoc people can share their things didn't work out and um, institutionalize a bit this we have a question from Denada Kakeli, who is Intervention Manager for Skills at the RISI Albania project of the SDC. Uh, what are the main challenges when moving from pilot to scale? What are some smart tactics to keep in mind? Thanks for, for this question. I, I had the pleasure to work a few months in, in RISI Albania, but that's already a bit of back and, and um, I didn't meet uh, Denada at the time, but um, uh, good to, to have an interaction in this uh, format. Um, tactics to move from pilot to scale. Uh, maybe I can, I can um, mention a few aspects. Um, I think um, any kind of partnership we engage with in a pilot phase, we need to be very clear with the partner that our ambition doesn't stop there but we want to go beyond. So for example, if we work with um, a, a trader in let's say um, horticulture and uh, we um, 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 work with this partner to kind of um, um, have better service provision to the producers of horticulture to have a certain contracting agreement to provide also knowledge to the farmers etc right um, we we can of course work with this one lead firm or trader but this is not the end of our ambition we want to transform the sector to have systemic change and so i think to be clear with a partner from the start that we will also work with for example competitors 
of this company and with other stakeholders. I think that's important. It's not easy, but I think it's important to set the, the mindset. Um, another um, tactic um, is, is, is linked to what I said before, uh, to learn also if a pilot does not work. So um, just also be sure that if we are trying out the solution and we just see that it's not picking up to have the courage to say, probably it wasn't the right trick, you know, maybe we have to find another partner or we do something else with the same partner if we see the motivation is there but actually you know the the, the trigger didn't work you know so so uh, learning also um the uh, the third aspect is about um um finding the right moment to uh, finish the hand holding let's say so you know in this um adopt adapt expand respond framework that i think most of those who are listening and, and watching who who are familiar with the msd approach they, they kind of picture it right now so this aaer framework if we are in the adopt phase where it's all about piloting um we also need to have this um, um sensitivity to then move to the adapt phase which means to actually step back right and say we have supported now we just watch and see if the partner is actually picking up, is maybe institutionalizing the new service, for example, is making adaptations to this service and so on. So, um, yeah, to stand back. And at the same time, also having um, the, 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 the instinct to reach out to other stakeholders while doing this pilot, you know, to motivate all the other stakeholders, including competitors, as I said before, to watch and see you know what is happening um and and maybe a, a, just the last aspect also to put, put a bit into perspective that this whole move from pilot to scale there's also an element of i mean we, we cannot control everything and we shouldn't control everything and it's all about also the stakeholder and the sector dynamics where we are engaged in right and um i think sometimes we we have to really see it as an interdependency that's a bit abstract but if i take again the example from from tanzania i, I remember you know in the in the in the sunflower sector uh, we worked on different um, entry points in that sector we worked on seeds we worked on contract farming and we tried to work also on access to finance um, now the contract farming picked up quite well in terms of you know scale moving from pilot to scale the seeds was a bit slower, but when the contract farming picked up, then the traders, the processors, they bought the seeds. So the seed sector also was dynamized. The finance, initially, the finance, the financial institutions, they were not interested. You know, they were like, ah, we don't really see the business case and so on. Now, when the contract farming picked up and the seeds were dynamized, all of a sudden, the financial institutions, they were interested, you know, to change their financial products or to adapt it more to that sunflower sector business. So, you know, it also plays together when it comes to pilot to scale. And I think it's important to watch this, these dynamics, if that makes sense. Marcus, uh, Elira Moedini, uh, who is project manager of the Resi Albania project of the SDC, uh, she has sent a comment and also a question. Uh, despite being a very good and effective approach, MSD projects also often struggle to scale and make their changes become systemic. Meaning, for example, 
when they need to be embraced by the local and central government actors, one of the reasons why that happens is that these actors fail to institutionalize the approach. When introduced to it, they do not pay attention. They prefer more quick actions and look for quick wins. Do you think a training in MSD tailored for such government partners could help? And if yes, is there any tailored MSD training for these target groups? Here, I mean more high executives, not technical staff who are anyway part of our MSD trainings. Technical staff trained has shown they're not able to influence the high executives and they also change more often. So what's your response to this, Marcus? Yeah, scale is the never ending question, isn't it? Um, every MSD project is struggling with that. Um, well, I think there are at least three different situations that come to mind when that are relevant for, for scale, and they are often conflated in MSD. One is the approach to replicate successful models, um, maybe with other partners or with the same partners um, in different areas, and ideally by actors that weren't connected to the project before, so they pick it up themselves and they they do it as well. That requires that, um, that the solution uh, is that wants to go to scale is complicated. It's a fix to a complicated problem. It can be applied repeatedly by different actors and it yields the same positive result independent of who does it. That means it can be written up, it can be communicated clearly. And of course it will be, it will be tailored by each actor who does it, but in general, they should be, we should be able to write a step-by-step -step guide or a standard operating procedure or something like that. Um, so it can be communicated to different actors. An example for this would be the, um, uh, the smaller seed packages pioneered by Catalyst in Bangladesh that have become very famous in, in, in MSD and, and um, uh, which has been a very well-documented case study. So this is an example where a product was introduced. It's quite clear what the product is, how it is done, why it works, and it worked for others as well. So it can be replicated in that way. The, sec the second situation is um, more, more difficult for MSD projects. It is when um, they, they think they found a solution to a problem that can be replicated by others, but actually it's very specific to one particular partner. It is very specifically adapted to that company's um, way of working, to that company's culture, to that company's history. It's deeply linked to that particular context. And what happens is then that um, others won't pick it up. And you go like, well, this is a brilliant solution. Why, why is no one else doing it? Um, this could be because it cannot be well communicated. It is... Um, based on tacit knowledge of the staff of that particular company that does it. Um, so others uh, struggle to understand how it even works and why it will work for them. An example here could be that the company started to integrate more women into their workforce uh, and they found specific ways to accommodate um, the work-life work balance of the women, the time they need to spend on other duties like childcare, um, so the, the solution is very specific. It's maybe because of particular people in that company, the, the boss of that company, and so on. And, and others just somehow struggle to do that. They cannot just um, copy the, the specific arrangements like the contracts or childcare or whatever. 
because that um, often fails then in the new context. The third situation is um, probably the one Adlira was alluding to is when, um, when there are too many social, cultural, legal or economic or other constraints in the way for these solutions to scale. This is the case, for example, when the challenge is that um, solutions need to be what is often called embraced by government actors or when the approach needs to be institutionalized. This is probably the most complex case of, um, uh, of a problem with getting to, to scale. And I, I'm actually not sure if the MSD approach is able to tackle that as such. Um, it is about finding whether there are relevant people in with the required influence that are actually interested in these kinds of solutions. Um, and it requires us to work with them and understand what their role is, how they can um, shift these constraints so this kind of new solutions can actually be adopted by others. Um, this is much more, I guess, about um, political and social and governance aspects in a country than it is about economic aspects. Um, that is why I'm saying I'm not sure if MSD is, as an approach itself on its own can tackle this kind of problem. We, we might need more political economy, we might need more governance um, types of interventions there. We need to better map the constraints and understand which ones can actually be shifted within the lifetime of a project and which ones cannot. I think many of these constraints that are relevant for these particular scaling issues are very fundamental to the culture, the political economy and the history of that context and might um, take longer to, to shift. Um, we have two questions from Anita Alexova, who is policy and governance expert at the Education for Employment in North Macedonia project of the SDC. Uh, how big is the role of communication in MSD projects and how to select, engage, and motivate market partners in MSD projects? Just realized I didn't answer all of Adlira's question because she asked whether uh, MSD training for, for these officials would, would actually help. I'm not sure it would, um, because I think this is more relational. It's about building relationships with, with people and, um, and maybe some kind of a, I don't know, of a training of understanding how, how complex systems change, not with a view on market systems particularly, but with a view on socioeconomic systems more broadly. Um, that might work, but I don't think training in them in MSD particularly would make a big difference there. Again, this is more a political or, 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 or political economy problem, I guess, to tackle rather than an MSD one. Um, to come to the question of communications, I think communications is, is always crucial. I mean, always when, when, when people come together and work together and learn together, they need to talk together and exchange what they do. Um, it starts with the communication of the MSD project uh, with, with potential partners. Um, it's about sharing intention. It's about overcoming obstacles together. Uh, it's about commitment to figure out things together. So in that sense, this kind of communication is in a way it, uh, to see, see whether a partner works 
um, whether we can work with the particular partners, whether we can get into this trust level of communication. Um, ideally, the project is not telling the partner what to do and the partner is just executing, but the project should approach the partner maybe with an idea or a hunch um, that resonates with the partner's own experiences and the partner's own questions and, and then walk to, walked away together with the partner from, for, from there. It's, it's a, a shared problem solving approach that needs to be adopted by um, uh, the project and the partner. And probably the situations I know, none of the two actors know the solution to this in the beginning. Neither the project knows exactly what, what can be done or what should be done, um, nor the partner knows exactly how to design the solution. So it is about um, inquiring together and figuring things out together as, as, as we go. Um, so in that sense, how do we connect? How, how do we select partners? How do we work with partners? I would say I'm still very much in favor of something like a self-selection of partners, really working with the partners who have an interest, who are motivated, who want to see change. Maybe partners who have already tried things, um, already tried to change the situation for the broader sector, not just from that for themselves, who have a record of, of, of trying things that will benefit others as well. If we can find partners like these, um, that are then willing to step forward and say, okay, I want to give uh, this a chance and I want to work with this project. Um, let's try something. Uh, that, that would be the ideal case. If we are in a situation where we have to continuously push the partner forward and say, let's do this, let's come, why don't you try this? It'll be really hard. Um, it will also be really hard then for whatever comes out there to, to, to interest other partners in. And we also have a question from Mitko Pistolov, who is public outreach coordinator at the Education for Employment in North Macedonia project of the SDC. When communicating or public outreach under an MSD project, uh, who sends a message to whom and does it work? Yeah, I mean, again, this is a, a question that goes back quite, quite a bit in the whole discussion around MSD. It's not a new question and I, I don't think there is a right answer. Um, in my particular view, and I'm not a communications expert, just to, to state that up front, but um, I'm, I'm kind of adhering to the tradition of MSD projects trying to keep a low profile, um, not to kind of um, communicate from the project what the project has done but to allow the stage, to leave the stage for, for the local actors, for the partners um, to own the change and to communicate the change um, and to work with others to, um, to, to communicate why they did it and how it worked. So what I'm interested in is how can projects maybe rather than communicating, communicating themselves and putting their own brand in the front, or can they become better in strengthening communications among local actors, both economic actors, but maybe also the media. I know a lot of MSD projects have worked in media and I think that's a good thing. So um, maybe we can look at it from a knowledge management um, or knowledge flow perspective saying that we want to help strengthen the knowledge flows within an economy. 
between um, research and development actors, academia, private sector actors, um, government actors, how, how do information flow and how do people pick up new ideas? How do they work together on solving problems? This, as, as we heard from, in the, as we talked about in the last question, communicating to solve problems together is, is, a, is, is very important. So asking the question of how can we support as an MSD project um, these particular communications and information flows, I think is very important. So let, giving less focus on information flows from the, the, the locality to the project, to the donor, and more within local stakeholders. And I'm very excited that um, Meso Partner is starting in, to work together with the Helvetus Reconomy project to look into these questions and how this kind of um, knowledge management and communications among um, stakeholders in the different regions that the project works in can be strengthened, rather than to just look at knowledge management as, a, as an internal function of the project itself. In the next episode, we'll talk to Nabanita Sembeckers and Mike Albo, addressing the, the remainder of your questions on whether the MSD approach works in practice and what it takes to shift to a systemic approach. Please let us know in the comment section whether you agree or disagree with the ideas expressed by our guests. You've been watching and listening to Inclusive Plug with me, Sabin, at Reconomy a program of the Swedish International Development Cooperation Agency implemented by Helvetas in 12 countries in Eastern Europe, South Caucasus, and the Western Balkans. Thank you for tuning in and see you soon.